Blog Talk Radio. All right, we want to say greetings to everyone and thank you all so much for joining us today. My name is Brother Hawk Bolden, and we're so grateful to the Lord to be able to come before you and to share with you uh, the things that the Lord has laid on my heart to share today. So today we're going to continue to talk about uh, what it was we started talking about yesterday, uh, actually earlier this week, about um, the, the way we receive God's word. Is it foolishness? And I'm talking about God's pure word. God's were not according to man's religion. Uh, but according to God's word, you know, many people, they believe that the days of miracle have, have, miracles have passed. And so to them, it would be foolishness to, to say that God still heals today. You see that? And so we're, we're talking about receiving God's word according to his word. What does his word say? Does his word say the days of miracles have passed? No. So uh, we should continue to preach that God is still God. You see that? And so when we receive God's word, when we read a scripture in the Bible uh, and we see that, is it foolishness to us or is it the power of God to us? Uh, in other words, the power to, to us that are saved, the word of God is the power of God that changes our lives, that changes us. And so uh, if you have your Bible, let's go to back to the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. The first chapter of 1 Corinthians. And we are going to, let's read verse 17. 1 Corinthians 1 and 17. It says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, that's, this, I think this is very, this is something that the Lord has to use Paul's mouth to say that, that, that he was not sent to baptize. And we, we can see uh, here that God's ministers aren't called to do everything. Some ministers are called to do this, and some of them are called to do that. And a lot of times what happens is we base our opinions on, of ministers on what we have seen instead of what God's words say. You see that? And so <clears throat> here we see that Paul expresses. Now, you would think that an apostle like him, traveling all over the known world, preaching the gospel to people and converting people, that he would include baptism in his repertoire, you know, in his, but he said that he wasn't sent to do that. You see that? So that there's something there. And so we can't think that just because they, it's a minister that they're supposed to uh, baptize or that they're supposed to, uh, you know, um, just do other things that ministers do, that some ministers do. So we have to figure out what our calling is. And a lot of times, you know, again, it's based on what we perceive a preacher is. Uh, there are five ministers that God called, and the gifts of calling, gifts and callings of God are without repentance. There are five of them, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. Those are the five. Each one of them are going to sound a little different than the other one. Uh, and so you can't say that, this preacher is a false preacher because he doesn't sound like this one. You see that? Uh, a lot of times, again, I think the church world as a whole, they're used to the, the, to the pastors and evangelists. They're used to those two offices. 
they're used to the ones that's doing uh, an exhortation to get them saved, and they're used to the one that's there to kind of help them along in their Christian walk. But they're not used to the apostle that lays doctrine down and makes the Bible plain. That's his job, is to basically lay down the word of God and make it plain to, and establish a foundation. Because I'm telling you, I have found through all of the years that I've been preaching that there are so many believers who don't have a foundation. And it's because they don't have an apostle in their life to lay that foundation. In other words, the apostle is the one that establishes them in the truth and so that they'll know what to believe. Now, because there are, there's a shortage of apostles, or the acceptance of them, I should say, um, the devil knows, okay, so y'all don't know what to believe. This minute you believe in this, the next minute you believe in that. And so I can come with a lie and, and, and get you caught up. See, so that's the reason why the apostle is the first and foremost office that the Lord have called today, you see, because that apostle lays down and he establishes you in the truth so that you are not moved one way or the other. So the devil can't come to you with lies. I mean, you think about something. Jesus Christ, if he didn't himself walk in that office, and when the devil came to tempt him, to tell him, you know, go ahead and jump off this hill here, uh, jump off of here because, uh, you know, the Bible says that he won't let your foot be dashed against the stone. Now, if he didn't have any foundation at all, he might have fell for that. You see that? But because he had a foundation, in other words, he knew what the Bible says and what it meant when it said it. He knew whether, you know, the Lord, also the Lord said, the Bible says we're not supposed to tempt the Lord. See that? So he was able to bring balance to what the devil was trying to throw him off in and off balance. You see that? And so that's that's what apostles do. They establish people in truth so that you can have some type of balance. You're not taking one scripture and running with it and, and trying to build a whole organization off of it. And that's what's wrong with the people who are, are they call snake handlers, those people who include snakes, literal snakes, in their church services because they take the scripture in 16 chapters more uh, that says that they, sh- that they will uh, basically do that, that they will uh, – uh, basically handle serpents and, and, and things like that. But now, of course, now, what that's talking about, let's, in fact, let's go there real quick. Let's go to the 16th chapter of the book of Mark. Let's read that. In fact, we're going to go ahead and just read this whole set of scriptures here in the 16th chapter of the book of Mark. We're going to start reading... Uh, at verse 14, 14 says, Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. Now, those are the eleven surviving apostles uh, at that time because Judas had hung himself and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. So, he's, in other words, that word upbraided means that he fussed at them because of their unbelief, because he had sent two groups of people at least to tell them that he had risen from the dead and they did not receive it. They did not believe it. Uh, and, and and this is three and a half years after the Lord had been telling them uh, that he was going to be crucified and raised from the dead. So three and a half years of preaching, and they know the man is telling them that he's going to be crucified and raised from the dead, and here they are sitting and eating, you know, instead of rejoicing at the, at the two groups of witnesses that were sent to them, to them to tell them. Now, this tells us, this is talking about the unbelief and hardness of heart. It's talking about, where they are with God and uh, their failure to, their, their coldness of heart. And that's what we have today is a bunch of uh, uh, cold uh, 
people. People are, are cold-hearted towards the things of God. They are hard, their, their hearts are hardened to the point where uh, they can't identify. Now, that's what that's talking about. When you have a hardness of heart, you can't identify with other people. So think about it. These two groups of people that the Lord sent to tell them that he was raised from the dead, no doubt they were rejoicing, you know, but the apostles couldn't even get beyond their unbelief to rejoice with them. And so that's what that's talking about. So that hardness of heart is a part of the problem that's in the church today where somebody can be rejoicing, but because you're down in the dumps about something, you can't get out of self and rejoice with them. Or uh, somebody can be uh, mourning, and because you're on a high and everything's going right in your life, you can't mourn with them. So that hardness of heart is talking about a person that's on the inch, that's just into themselves and can't identify with other people. And, 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 and basically, that's what makes it hard for, for souls to be won. When believers have hardness of heart, there's a problem. You see that? What makes people want to come to the Lord is the idea that we're able to reach them uh, through their hearts and what's going on with them and able to identify and take out time in our days uh, to identify with them and to, to love on people. But because of the hardness of heart that people have, uh, it it it, uh, it makes it hard to, to win people. Nobody's concerned about what church you go to if they don't if you don't care about them. And and, and nowadays all people want to do when they get on a job is want to know how they're gonna minister to somebody. You you know you need to uh, you just need God on the inside of your life. You need God in you, and, and that's what helps you to minister to people. The the best ministry you can have is loving people and, and living a godly life. The people don't care about what you're preaching if you don't love them. They don't, you know, you don't need to be going on your job trying to identify who needs help and, and where people are spiritually and, oh, I'm, I know I'm sent here for you. No, you sent there to do your job. You see that? And and if, if God have you there, you're sent there to display God. And it ain't always about preaching. You know, the Lord did more healing than he did preaching. He did more having compassion on people. That was his preaching, his compassion. You see that not having a ministry of just trying to look around and see who you know. Okay, yeah, I see your head's down, so I, I, I know you need to be ministered to. No, you, you know how about smiling and loving people? You see that that's that's the best ministry you can have uh, for people is loving them genuinely. You see that and and caring for them and and the the and, that, and sometimes that's all people need. You see, sometimes that's all people need. You see, that, that's all people need sometimes. Uh, you, you know, you bring them to your preacher, let your preacher preach to them, you see. But you're the one, you, what you do is you just show the love of God, you see that. You just love people, you see that. That's what you need there. And so we're talking about that hardness of heart. And look at what it says, verse 14, afterward he appeared unto the eleven, as they said at meat, in other words, they were eating, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Now, isn't that something? Now, this is already the third day that he, you know, and so he has been raised from the dead already. And here they are sit, sitting and eating. You see that? Sitting there eating. Now, they just spent three and a half years with this man. And according to them, in their minds, he's dead. He ain't never coming back. But they have an appetite to eat. <laughs> Isn't that something? They got an appetite, you see. That shows you the hardness of heart that they that they had there. If you're grieving the one who you thought was the son of God and he's dead now, well, why are you eating, uh, you know, a few days later? Why are you not fasting and praying that the Lord bypass 
the powers of darkness to raise him up. You see that hardness of heart there? And then when and then, then when the Lord sent people to say, you know what, y'all ain't got to fast, y'all ain't got to pray, I'm already raised. Uh, they sitting there not believing and still eating. Isn't that something? You see, they don't, don't even want to go check on it to see if it's true or not. You see? All right, so let's go ahead and keep reading. Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So you see there what makes people saved and unsaved? Believing the gospel versus not believing it. What is the gospel? What we see, the Bible says in the book of Romans, that it is the power of God. You see that? That's the gospel, the power of God. Now, what what condition are you in if you call yourself a believer, but you don't believe in modern-day miracles? You don't believe that God heals people today. What condition are you in? If you don't believe the power of God, you're not saved. You see that? Because if you don't believe God can heal you from cancer or from a cold or headaches or whatever, how are you saved enough to believe that God is going to change your spirit to even go to heaven? You see that? Yeah, you have to just think, which one is easier? You see that? I want you to think about it. The Lord came here healing the sick and raising the dead before he ever died for anybody. So then the question remains, what what was the hardest for God? In other words, what took more power, healing the sick and raising the dead, or was it him going saving souls by having to go to the cross? You see, he didn't have to go to the cross to heal the sick and raise the dead. So in other words, what am I saying? It took more power for the salvation of souls. So here's the question. How do you think you're saved? How can you believe you're saved, that God has changed your whole nature, but don't believe that he can that He can heal you from cancer? Or don't believe that he can heal whatever sickness or whatever it is that's ailing you in your body. You see that? It, it's impossible for you to believe that you're saved, and then, and, but, but, but don't believe that God is, is healing people today. You see that? Because the truth of the matter is salvation is the biggest healing you'll ever have, have to begin with. If you've really been saved, you know how much God has changed you, and you know there's nothing else that God can't do in your life. If he actually changed your nature and changed who you were, you know, caused you to be a born-again creature. You see that? So let's go and keep reading. Verse 16, he that believeth is baptized and, and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now that that puts the that puts the whole salvation thing, the damnation and and the salvation on the individual. God is not responsible for your salvation. In other words, for you believing or for you disbelieving, you're the one that's responsible for that. Verse 17, and look at what it says. So it, it talks about them that believe, and then look at what he says. These are the signs. Look at what verse 17 says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Signs to who? That, that's a sign that you believe. That if you believe, then these things are going to follow your life. What things? In my name, they shall, shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And oh, not, <laughs> what is that talking about? That, that's not talking about playing with serpents. That's not talking about bringing them to church and opening up the, you know, the Bible that they're in and, and everybody singing and praising while they dancing with them around their necks. What is that talking about? Exactly what happened to Paul. Paul preaching the gospel. A serpent jumped out up and, and bit him uh, on his wrist, and, and uh, 
the the people there who were considered barbarians, uh, they knew that this was a deadly snake, and they were waiting on him to die. And when he didn't die and he continued preaching, then they bowed down to him thinking that he was a god because they knew what that sh- those snakes had done for them, you see. And so this is not talking about uh, let's take let's let's go get some snakes and dance with them. That's talking about if you happen to be uh, uh, bitten. Let's go and keep reading so you can understand all of it. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. So that's talking about your life being bulletproof. You see, that's not talking about you tempting God and drinking something deadly on purpose. That's not talking about you tempting God and, and uh, bringing a snake into your, your worship service. That's talking about if you happen to get bitten by a snake, it ain't going to hurt you. It's not going to harm you. If you happen to drink something deadly, it's not going to kill you. In other words, God is responsible for your life. That, those, that sign will follow you. That there, would be, there may be things that happen to you that should have killed you that, that's not going to kill you. Now, we can go on with that and say this as well. Even situations that you've been in, what other people have committed suicide about, you won't. You see that? So it's talking about your life, how you're going to survive things that the world, unbelievers, wouldn't naturally survive. Other people are going to look, look at you and think, well, how in the world did you get through that? I don't know what I would have done. If I had lost my child, if I had done, done this, I lost my spouse or, or whatever. In other words, Things that causes other people to, to go downhill won't cause you to do that. In fact, you won't lose your testimony or you won't lose your joy. You, you will rejoice in the time of, 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 of uh, trials and tribulations, in other words. So verse 18, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. You see that? And, and so th- this is the reason. Uh, so let's go and keep reading verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord, look at that, working with them and confirming the word, how? With signs following. Amen. Again, you, you look at the fruit. You see that. How do you know that the word is being preached, <clears throat> the true word of God is being preached? Because signs will follow that word. People will be healed. You see that? That's how you know that, that somebody is preaching the truth. But see, the, today's theology and today's doctrine says, well, you know, the way they get past it is, well, today's miracles are past. There are no more signs and wonders. You see that? In other words, they're trying to cover up for the fact they're not, that they're not preaching the true word to begin with, and God is not confirming their word with signs, you see. So let's go back real quick to the to the first chapter, First Corinthians, and uh, so we're going to read verse seventeen. It says, "For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect." Everybody see that? For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom, in other words, by their own wisdom, 
knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You see that? So now, to get a better understanding of this, go real briefly to the sixth chapter of the book of Luke. The sixth chapter of the book of Luke, and we're going to start reading at verse 1. It says, And it came to pass on the second Sabbath, after the first, that he went through the cornfields, and his disciples plucked the ears of corn, and did, uh, and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. And certain other Pharisees said unto them, Why do ye why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? And Jesus answering them said, Have ye not read so much as this? What David did when himself was in hunger, and he and and they which were with him, how he went into the house of God and did take and eat the showbread, and gave also to them that were with him, which it is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone. And he said unto them that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. See, so they, in other words, they were missing the point that this was God they were talking to. He was not bound um, by the Sabbath day. So I keep reading, verse 6, And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught, and there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, you see that? Now, isn't that something there? And I'm going to share this with you. The, fire, the scribes and Pharisees still watch the ministers of God. You see that? But not for miracles. You see that? Not for not to receive the word of God for their lives to be changed. Look at what that says. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day. In other words, they were watching him to basically criticize him uh, for for what he would do. You see that, and and the scribes and Pharisees, they still doing that today. Uh, I guess they think that that they that they are uh, the, the gatekeepers of heaven, and they decide who's preaching the truth and who's not. Uh, but you know, the word of God is what decides that. Verse seven, and the scribes and Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. Now, isn't that something? Think about this. Think about it in this matter. For them to be watching him on the Sabbath to see whether or not he would heal on the Sabbath, that means they understood that he had power to heal. And, but some kind of way, they could bypass that and say, well, you know what, if you heal, you're in trouble. Not forget about God is in our midst and his power is here to heal. But if you do heal... You're in big trouble, mister. <laughs> Never mind. Ain't nobody else been able to come up and, and, and heal the way he was. Nobody was healing. Even John the Baptist didn't heal anybody. The Bible says that John the Baptist did no miracle. You see that? And so this was something new to them in their day. Nobody was out faking healing anywhere. But they knew he had the power to heal. But but they were so religious in their minds 
they were going to find fault with what day he was going to heal on. Forget about the fact that, you know, think about it. So God God gave Moses the Mosaic law. On the Sabbath day, nobody worked. But see, because of their carnal minds, they didn't think, well, you know what? Healing only comes from God. We know that. They knew that. They knew that healing came from God. They knew that he couldn't do that outside of God. And they also knew that God gave Moses the Mosaic law, which says not to do any work on the Sabbath day. So why didn't they put two and two together and say, well, you know what? If this was not of God, then God would not allow him to heal on the Sabbath. But what was the point? God was making a point that I surpassed the Sabbath. You see that? I'm going to heal on the Sabbath to let you know that I'm not, that that the Sabbath wasn't made for me. In other words, it's not, it's not something that I'm bound by. What does the Sabbath represent in this story? It represents man-made traditions and, and customs. You see that? In other words, it represents those things that the shadow of things that have dropped off to show something, a bigger picture. You see that? To show a bigger bigger picture. It's the same. You think about it. When you're talking about shadows in the Old Testament, the Bible, you're talking about a picture versus the the reality. The Sabbath day was a picture of Jesus Christ and the rest that he would bring to his people. But you have people, they're more offended at the picture than they are the real person. When the real, the, when the real Sabbath showed up, the real rest showed up. You see that? They were trying to kill him to hold on to his picture. Isn't that something? But that's what religion does. It causes you to overlook the real person. You know, you think about you have somebody that's going to war overseas somewhere. And every day, you're that spouse, and you're looking at that picture, you're hugging that picture, you're crying and thinking, I can't wait to see you again, and I love you so much. And then when they show up at the doorstep, you push them out the door. No, no, I'm good with this picture here. No, I'm not going to hug you. I'm not going to embrace you. I don't accept you. I'm good with this picture. And that's what the children of Israel, and that's what people are doing today. They're okay with the picture instead of the real thing. So let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 7, and the scribes and Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man, which had the withered hand, rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Now, I, I want you to see the Lord's attitude here. The Bible says that he knew their thoughts. And he didn't tell the man, look, come over here to the side here. Let's go in the let's go in the bathroom. I'm gonna pray for you in there, because we don't want to offend people. Let's go over here. Just come to my house later on, about six o'clock after I'm done eating, and and I'll heal you there. So because ain't nobody gonna see it then. You think the Lord was worried about offending people? The devil is meant to be offended. You see that? He's meant to be offended. But what did he say? Rise up and stand in the middle of these people. We about to show off. We about to show them. In other words, he was trying to make a point, and this this is the point to us. We ain't supposed to be closet Christians. We ain't supposed to be ashamed of what the Lord has called us to do or what he has told us to do. You see that? So that last point, that verse, and he arose and stood forth. Verse 9, then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? You see that? And looking around about them, upon them all, 
he said unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. In other words, they had no answer for him. For him. He said unto the man, stretch, stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Now, you know what's crazy? The Lord didn't work to exercise the man's hand. Now, it was unlawful for them to to work, but it took the Lord no effort to heal, no more effort than it took them to walk to the synagogue that day, all of them. You see that? <laughs> all right, verse 10, and looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, stretch forth thy hand, and he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. And they were filled with madness. No, they rejoice. Praise God. We're no longer bound. We can be healed, too, of this crazy mind that we have. No, they were filled with madness. You see that? Cold-hearted, could not identify with this man who had a withered hand. They were more concerned with their own little religious beliefs, which was really unbelief. You know, unbelief is a religion. People go to church and practice unbelief every week. Unbelief is a religion. You see that? They were upset the nerve to hear this man on a day, you know, the same way people will be upset at anything that you go against when it, when you go against their religious beliefs. But what does the word say? I'm going to keep reading. And they were filled with madness and commune one with another what uh, another, what they might do to Jesus. You see that? In other words, they were looking for a reason to kill him and were, uh, and were willing to kill. So here's the issue. They were completely missing the whole point. You see that? It, so see, right here, you saw the power. They saw the power of God, and they knew it was the power of God. But because of their own religious beliefs, that power of God was turned into foolishness. They they could overlook the power of God because, oh, wait a minute, you said something, you've done something I've never read before. Moses didn't heal anybody on the Sabbath day. You see that? In, in, in other words, they were missing the whole point. The power of God was there, and God's power superseded anybody's religious beliefs. You see that? And that's what people will do today. You know, it's, and it's still people that, that do that same thing. Uh, they don't look at, you know, they don't look at the lives of people changing and them not being the same. They look at, oh, so y'all have church on such and such thing. Or y'all had y'all moved to such and such place. Forget about lives are being changed. Forget about the power of God moving in people's lives and, the, and them being healed. Let's focus on the stuff that don't really matter. That's not God's will. You see that? Don't let the power of God become foolishness to you. Don't let the cross, the, the power of it, become foolishness to you. You see that? Wisdom is justified of her children. Look at the outcome. And the Bible tells us, don't judge nothing before the time. In other words, you, you, you just sit back and watch. Even if you don't agree with it, watch and see what the fruit of it is. And that's how you can judge what who's behind it. You see that? So let's become people that believe God's word. And let's not let it be foolishness to us. Let's, let's let it actually be the power of God. Amen. So we want to say thank you all for joining us today. We pray that something was said that has uh, uh, been a blessing to you.
And we look forward to sharing more of God's word with you. And uh, we also ask that you will email us and let us know how this message has blessed you. Amen. So we uh, will speak to you on tomorrow. Have a blessed day. All right, boss.